I just woke up. Don't tell me it's time already. Another episode? Welcome back to your 12th favorite podcast, Reeducated, where we reimagine, rethink, and reinvent education. It's your host, Gautam Yegapin, alive and blessed to present today's conversation. Stay thirsty for knowledge, and I guess water too. Welcome back to yet another episode of your Re-Educated Podcast. Today, we have an extremely special guest. Her name is Fabi Postal. When I was traveling through India, I took a two-week break from teaching and working in Mumbai, and I stayed with her, and I was fascinated by her worldview, her views on cultural appropriation and understanding cultural sensitivity, She is an Airbnb host and travel guide and has helped thousands of people travel through Mumbai and has such an interesting worldview. And I'm really excited to dive into that today. How are you? Gautam, so nice to uh, speak to you again. Yeah. It feels like you're back here, like in the same room, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, You're staying in the room that I was sleeping in. No. Yeah, I'm sitting in the guest room here. Where, this is your room. So yeah. <laughs> you plan your next trip back to your room. I love that house. And I honestly miss it. Just the view of the entire skyline from outside. I mean, it's a beautiful place. How did you first get into Airbnb? Um, okay, so like you're saying, yeah, I think the best thing about Airbnb is that you get to share so much. Um, your space, everything, time, meals, food. And that's why it's so special with you as well because we got to share so much um, and conversations. But um, Airbnb is a funny story. Um, actually, I was studying in the UK. Um, I decided to study media and culture studies. Oh, cool. <clears throat> and um, yeah, so my room was empty at home. So um, my parents actually divorced um, when I was 15. And my mom moved out and she got this place which was just big enough I thought was just enough for both of us um so when I left to study in the UK uh, a friend of hers actually gave her a surprise gift on her 50th birthday and signed her up on Airbnb and she had no clue like what it was or how it worked um but then uh, her friend just thought like um it was the best best thing that she could do because the room was empty and I was gone and um, she thought, why should she be alone? You know, like she's so good at being with people. So that's when she put up some ordinary pictures of the room. And before you know it, there were people from all over the world coming to stay. And mom was hosting them. And when I came back from England, I um, my room was somebody else's. You know, it was a <laughs> Japanese person's room. And it was a British person's room and a Greek person's room. And at first... I would say I was kind of hesitant um, because strangely I had this really bad experience in London with a flatmate. So we uh, decided she was a a classmate and we decided to move in together. And one day she stopped paying the rent. And then I got freaked out because I thought we're going to get chucked out and there were like uh, lots of issues there. So after that, it was really difficult to trust um, a stranger, like especially to live with somebody we don't know. Um, I think that was like a trauma. So I lived alone in London for a year. And uh, when I came back and I saw mom was hosting, living with all these strangers, you know, every day. 
I was like, mom, this is not a good idea. Like, what are you doing, you know? But she was so positive about it. And so I was, uh, I think I didn't have much of a choice. And uh, I ended up sharing the room with my mom and um, then meeting all these people. And uh, I think the most beautiful thing I realized was that um, strangers are not always uh, danger. So uh, actually, if, if something happens to you, if you're out on the street or wherever you are, if you're in an accident, actually, it's actually a stranger who's going to come and help you first because most of the people who are around you all the time, you don't know them. And that's not a negative thing. It's uh, You don't have to think of it as negative. So mm. uh, once when mom went off to San Francisco for the Airbnb open, I was alone at home for one night and I couldn't sleep. I was just um, I felt so insecure. And the next day, the, these guests booked two guys from, I think, Australia. And then I was so happy. Like, I was sleeping. I slept well because there were strangers in my house. Mm. Um, I was like, that's so cool. Like, actually, I feel safe with strangers. I'm not alone. Um, And then I just started really loving it. And, um, yeah, and then even sharing the space with my mom in the room, that became so special because it's not about physical space, I think. Um, it's the space between people that you create, you know, and mm. you should be closer. We're creating space between each other, but actually we, are, we should just be closer to each other. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like how you relate to strangers changes the way you travel the world. I mean, I, I that was a huge change for me where when I first started traveling, I was very afraid of like, oh my God, what if this person steals this? What if, which is not to say that that doesn't exist, but it's to say that more often than not, I have found strangers to be so helpful than strangers that have like tried to obstruct me in any way. And so once you change that, all of a sudden you, you start seeing the people around you as possible friendships, possible relationships, as opposed to everyone being a possible enemy. And so one question I have for you is you've been, you know, one of the first people in Air, on Airbnb in India, right? I mean, within the first few years of conception, when did you guys get on Airbnb? Um, so it was uh, back in 2011. Yeah, wow. And that was, yeah, when mom was turning 50. So it was the friend who gave it, uh, signed it up. It was her 50th birthday gift. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. Yeah, so that's almost like 12 to 13 years of hosting. Yeah. And over that yeah. period of time, it must have been hundreds and hundreds of guests. Hundreds. Of, I think now we're almost at 500. Wow. I think it's been more. We have almost 500 reviews, but I think it's much much more guests than that. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And so what I'm really curious about is it's a very unique way of traveling the world that you get to experience, right? I just remember having that one conversation where your mom had kind of brought up like, regardless of spending enormous amount of times in all these countries, you're spending enormous amount of times with the people from all over the world who then spend considerable time with you share their lives share their stories and experiences it's such a unique way of learning about the world what are some of your favorite memories or what are some of the coolest things you've learned about just what's happening um yeah i think you're you're right it's like definitely one of the most special things in my life that um uh, you have all these people you don't know coming into your into your shared space and the thing is what I realize is you can um, you can open up so much. Um, sometimes you can open up more to somebody you don't know mm. than somebody who's so close to you. And you can talk about just like how we did, like you know, like 
the moment you came in, like we were at the window and we we're having this deep conversation about cultural sensitivity and talking about our experiences. And I think that's what's so special that um, to make somebody also feel at home in your home. And so they feel so open to um, sharing about their opinions, stories, um, sharing food. And uh, I have so many stories um, now that are so memorable with people from all over. Um, I don't know, should I tell you some? Yeah, I would love to hear a few. Yeah, tell me a few. <laughs> okay. Uh, so there was a couple from the US. I'm not sure where in the US, but uh, they were, there was an African-American couple. And they booked to stay, but they didn't really tell us why they were coming to stay. But it, I felt like it wasn't a holiday because um, it was quite a long. They booked, I think, almost for two weeks. And um, the the wife, the man's wife was coming earlier than him. And she actually didn't, she forgot to mention she was coming at like three o'clock in the morning. So she didn't book the night before. So suddenly she turned up at our house at three o'clock in the morning. And we already had a guest staying in the room. And then she ended up sleeping on the sofa because we're like, okay, we can't just, you know, say no. So she stayed on the sofa. And then in the morning, we got talking. And then because we were just sitting on the sofa having tea together. And then she said, I said, you know, this, nobody comes for two weeks to Mumbai. Everyone's quite scared to stay in Mumbai for long. And she said they were coming for surrogacy. So her husband who was arriving the next day, um, they were coming for um, surrogate treatment in India. And this is back when surrogacy was legal. So um, they were doing all the treatments and they stayed with us. And their dream was to have a child. And the strange thing was that um, they were from two different religions, uh, the husband and wife. So their parents were um, against their relationship. So they, the, the parents kind of uh, used that, like, you know, you can't have a child because... We told you, like, you know, you're not going to And they came here and um, they went through the procedure and they was like, we just bonded so well. Like, one day the husband came back from all these treatments. He was so tired. And I opened the door and he was just lying on the ground in the middle of the hall, like, with his arms wide open. And I, I felt so good. I was like, you know, I'm so happy. Like, he feels comfortable here. He feels like nobody's judging him you know like mm. um, for whatever reason he's here nobody's um, totally open you know and uh, then nine months later uh, unfortunately we were booked at that time but they stayed uh, somewhere close by and they came to our house with a little baby um, which they came to collect and uh, they called her Oma Lola Mm. And uh, strange, uh, also strange thing. What happened was, I think exactly after they had Omalola, and the husband, he would, he was actually counting every single dollar of his for this treatment. So you just saw like he had saved up all his earnings, you know, for this little child to have this child, which was so cute. And a year later, um, surrogacy was banned for foreigners. And he called us from the U.S. and he said, you know, we really want another child. Omalola's growing up and she needs like a little brother or sister. And, um, but now what do we do, right? And the um, embryos or whatever is uh, stuck in India. So he said, can you please um, 
go online and make some kind of payments and make the arrangements for the embryos to be sent to uh, somewhere in the Eastern European country. Not sure. I think Georgia. I think it was Georgia. So we did the arrangements and then uh, it actually got sent off to Georgia and they had their second little surrogate baby born wow. in Georgia. It's that's such an intimate way to get to know somebody. I mean, the fact that you entered that entire what basically happened is someone's universe just opened up and then you step into it and you understand what's happening in in this one, you know, two people's lives. And then you do that time and time and time again, because because of what you said, the space that you guys create in your house is so open that people can feel vulnerable and and really themselves in that place. And so because of that, you get to not just meet people at face value of just like, okay, this is who you are, but you get to connect with them in a much more intimate way. Yeah, I think that's the thing that I was thinking about it. Um, and I was thinking not everybody travels um, to travel outwardly. They're also traveling inwardly and they're, they're moving um, to look within themselves. So I think meeting them, the first thing you have to do um, with the traveler is to understand them. What are they searching for? You know, are they searching mm. to explore or are they ex- coming to explore something within them, spiritual or you know, just sometimes they, they don't, they're not coming to look, uh, to look out. They're coming to look in and they just want to share their stories. And they, like I said, it's, it's, you can open up to somebody you've never met before because they're not going to judge you. They're not mm. going to have any opinions. Wow. And so, I mean, this is an education podcast. So I feel like there are so many implications of what you do and things that can be translated over into a classroom. And I mean, this this concept of having an open space where people can feel like they can be and belong very unjudged is something that um, is a very powerful feeling that I was blessed to have felt in your house. So one thing I'm curious is, what are some of the things that you think that you're doing or that you have done in this space that allows that to happen? Um, I think the first thing is um, just being, firstly, just being totally genuine. So um, being, I think being hospital, hospitable and being genuine um, go hand in hand. And it's like, um, it is if you're having a bad if I'm having a bad day, which I have bad days, of course, um, you know. But I'm getting up and I'm smiling at my guests and I'm having let's let's have some tea together. It I think people misunderstand that hospitality means you always have to have this happy face on and you need to like you know. Um, but it's it's not that. I think the more genuine you come, let's have a tea. Let me tell you about how terrible my day was yesterday. Mm. You know? I'm just a normal person living my, you know, just like you. I have bad days and I have good days. And so the good thing is that we get to like share about it. And and I value people's um, people's opinions so much that like, um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Today, I actually had a guest who was 80 years old. Um, a dancer from Australia wow. and uh, I just wanted to ask him so many like yeah I wanted to ask him so many things about my life you know like because he's so experienced and he's uh, traveled all over the world and he's met so many people he's taught so many people so I was like I just want to tell him about all these personal things in my life because I value what he can you know share with me um, I think that's what's so special mm. I mean, it's truly, it's magnificent. I mean, 
on average, I mean, I came back to the States and on average, the number of people I meet who have seen something vastly different, even though I live in the Bay Area and I'm around a lot of immigrants and and people who have come from all over the world, one thing I don't see is people don't often share their stories. Like it was only after I had gone to India was I able to even start asking my dad questions of like, what was your childhood like? Like explain, I want to, I want to imagine what it was like to be in your shoes. I think oftentimes what I see is a lot of people don't really share their background. They're just like, that's something in the past. And then, and it's not really brought to the table, but it impacts people. So for you to say, you know, this 80 year old dancer, it was very from Australia. It's evident that those things played a huge role in shaping that person for who they are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things that happens as you get older. There's a longer and longer backstory that people don't know of, right? I mean, you know anyone just who they are presenting themselves to be at that moment. But that entire story that happened before could have been anything, right? And it's that fascination is something that makes every interaction with the person a learning opportunity. And I think you you really foster that. And so where did that where does that curiosity come for you and how do you sustain it over so long um i think also like what you just said i think um our home once you open your home and you actually open your heart um to everyone and anyone without being critical or judgmental um is that it's it's home to everybody and everyone can feel comfortable there just like comfortable with you anybody can feel comfortable with you um, so it's not just like you said, it's not just our guests or Airbnb guests who come in and feel like they can uh, open up. Or, uh, it, it's also like it's the gas man who comes to deliver our gas. Mm. You know, it's somebody who comes to deliver some food um, at our home. It's the guys who come to fix our air conditioners. So they should, our, our philosophy is to make everybody who comes into the home feel that they are at home. So just sharing something to drink or making them feel comfortable in that space because I think yeah the the most important thing is to feel comfortable in someone's presence and space and then you can um, feel so free and feel uh, and feel loved Mm -hmm. yeah because I want to write this down because for me and you know a lot of people I know in the US hospitality is very different culture to culture but I have always found Indian hospitality to be some of the, the most powerful and loving that I've ever felt in my life. But I think you also brought up a very good distinction of the genuineness that is really key. Because what I also see is a lot of people who don't present that end up building resentment over a longer period of time if they are hosting someone. And so it is only by being genuine does that resentment not add up over time. And so my question for you is, what are some of the small... because for you, it may be things that you're just doing subconsciously, but the, the your cultural hospitality is very different than what someone perhaps in the U.S. would be used to or what someone would take for granted. And so what are some of the things that, that make hospitality for you? Um, okay, so I have, actually have to think about going to somebody else's house who made me feel so at home, more almost more at home than my own home. Mm. And so I could reflect on that. And that was uh, some somebody who works here in Mumbai in the Indonesian consulate. So we got friendly with him and he said, why don't you come over and meet my family? 
for an Indonesian meal because we said, oh, we love Indonesian food. And when I went into that home, um, I just felt like, uh, it, you know, it doesn't have to be, the food doesn't have to be served in the best of dishes or, you know, you don't have to clean up the home to make it look very presentable or have the best stuff out. It's actually just um, sharing whatever you have. So you don't have to share the best of something. You just have to share whatever you can give to someone. And that's like, even if it's that, if it's just time, if somebody doesn't have much to share, but they have time and love and just to listen to someone, I think that's the most important thing. But yes, I definitely think I have learned from other Indians to to love and be more hospitable, hospitable because um, after becoming a tour guide and walking through sometimes these little tiny little streets where people's homes are the size of my guest room, you know, like, and they have been so, like, it's made us feel like crying because uh, their home does not feel small at all. It, in fact, it feels super big because their hearts are so big. And they're like, you know, come in and have chai. Like I said, just share whatever they are having and uh, make you feel so uh, so loved, even though uh, they've not known you. Like, I think I've definitely also learned from local Indians uh, how to be more hospitable. Yeah. You know, you bring up this concept of sharing and it's something that I've always found myself to have had a hard time with because I think when I really reflect on myself, every time I do share, unless it's with a very few select people, and I guess to me, that's how I know I love someone when there's like no ego talking in the back of my head of like, oh my God, but if you share, will you have enough for yourself? And when I really love the people in my life, then I share absolutely freely. What is one thing you do to practice that art, because I do want to get there eventually. I want to get to that place where I'm, I'm, where I feel full enough, where I'm willing to share everything that is mine. What are some things you think that you have to kind of practice to get to that point, or what are things you tell yourself? How do you philosophically get to a point where you are able to share without fear that you won't have enough? Um, I think the thing is that um, when you when you share. Um, it's never going to be, there's never going to be less of anything. There's actually going to be more because there's more, um, there's more love, there's more um, interaction, there's more inclusivity. So how can there ever be less? Um, if, if you're sharing something, um, should I repeat that? Let's, I can hear you. Oh, it's a kitty. Okay. <laughs> they have to disturb you. Like cats will just always <laughs> come onto the books or onto the laptop when they're around. They just want to be included. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean in the in the practice of genuineness, I feel like keeping yeah. the cat intrusion into the conversation is Right. I mean, it's making me think a lot about, okay, in what areas of my life am I not genuine? And, and the art of podcasting itself, I think is an ingenuine act. I mean, in many ways, it's, you got to present a certain, you got to talk a certain way, present a certain way, edit out these parts, you know, and I think perhaps 
maybe that's one place in my life where I can strive for more genuineness. So yeah, why not leave the cat intrusion in? But yeah, what were you saying? I was very curious to hear what you were saying about sharing. Um, yeah, like I said, I think it's how can there ever be less when you're sharing something that's always more. Mm. And I, I definitely, like you said, learned that from uh, local Indians who actually you think they have less than me. And yet they are never fearful of sharing what, whatever they have. So how can I ever be fearful of having less, um, you know, from wow. sharing? Yeah, I think that that can be powerful when you see someone who you think has less than you, but share more. Then all of a sudden you're like, then what is stopping me? It's only when yeah, you like kind seen... of continue. Yeah, what? Yeah, no, like like what do you remind me that I've seen people who are sleeping on the pavements in in Mumbai, and yet when they get you know like a piece of they're eating a piece of fish or something, they will always I've seen it take a little piece and give it to the little cat. Street cat, street cat, you know. Mm. And if you see that, how can you not, like you said, how can you not learn from that and love that? Yeah. I guess one thing I'm trying to think of is the other element of this is the only way to truly share is without expecting something in return where it's like, okay, I'm going to share this with you, but you need to return something back to me in the future or kind of like having a tally in your head where like, okay, I shared six things with them. They never got it back. How do you do that while still maintaining some semblance of fear for being taken advantage of? Like, is it possible to do both? Do you ever kind of have that in your mind where it's like, am I, when, well, how do you know when you're being taken advantage of versus when you're just sharing lovingly? Oh, such a good question, Gautam. Well, I have to think about it. It's an amazing question. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's so strange because I've actually been thinking about this very thing the last three days. I've racked my racked my head over it. Um, I think uh, there's there's no question of uh, being taken advantage of, because um, uh, as long as you're doing it for good, I think like in India, especially because we have this very spirit, we're very spiritual. And whatever you give, um, it, it's it's not about what you get back. Um, you just have to think about um, you're doing something good by giving. So even if you put water out on your terrace for the pigeons and they're coming and taking their bath every day and, you know, very happily drinking their water, are they giving, would you ever say that they're taking advantage of you or anything that you're giving them? No. So why do we feel that with other people? We just have to put the water out there and they have to come and, uh, they have to take their bath and drink their water, you know. It's the same thing. Why should we feel like uh, we would never think that about a cat or, or a, a pet? So mm. why do we feel that with humans, I think? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a tough one. It really depends on the experiences that you've had. And I, uh, for me, a lot of what other people have told me, right? I mean... If I had to purely go from my own experience of humans, I've had a pretty great experience yeah. with people. But I think a lot of the fear literally comes from movies, from, you know, it, I don't even know where they come from, from news articles that, you know, that focus on a very specific type of world event. Like they're not, you know, a lot of these news articles aren't covering all the great 
acts of humanity that happen thousands of time every day, right? I mean, they cover all the examples or something terrible is happening. And so I'm just trying to think, I was like, if I erased all of that, only looked at my experiences, for the majority, people haven't taken advantage of me. And it's hard to know whether that's just luck or whether it's, is just if is it just happen chance you know that that's the case or is that for everybody because it is really different for people that's true yeah i think uh not related to that but we had some we had israeli guests like uh our first israeli guests were about i think six years ago and when we got the request i think i was i was scared so I thought, you know, maybe they're gonna, they're not gonna like me because they haven't seen my photo. They've seen mom's photo and I wear a scarf and, you know, maybe they don't know that Muslim or something. So I was scared and I was like really hesitant. Uh, but then when I opened the door, I just smiled. I was like, okay, just be yourself, like how you are with everyone else. And um, actually, we turned out to be such good friends. We spent like all that three days out together in the city exploring. And then I realized that, yeah, the worst thing you can think is that um, people from a certain place, people from a certain, you know, uh, religion or their beliefs, it, it's, you cannot generalize. And we actually went to Israel um, to stay in their house wow. like a few years later. Yeah. And they took us to all the Muslim sites, you know, that we wanted to see. like um, That's the, really sweet. Or, or the Palestinian side. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think that is really the the moral of the story and in, in, in connecting to education of like, sometimes what education feels like is it doesn't allow you to actually explore and learn on your own. It kind of says, this is what the world is like, boom. Like, a lot of history can be learned through just living. I mean, you can just simply by talking to people, instead of having to read a book to learn about the US history, go talk to a veteran, go talk, you know, understand your own concept of history by talking to many different sources, build it yourself, you don't have to just take what it says on a few textbooks, it's one source, but not the only source. And I think that's a phenomenal point. So I want to get into I think, the thing I think that's so critical, and something I was really sad to see throughout a lot of my travels, which is cultural sensitivity. And I want to define that word and I want to define that concept. And I'm very excited to hear because you've worked with so many people from around the world, you must have seen a clear difference between people who traveled with India with an open mind, trying to understand and learn about a culture that's different than theirs versus people who are traveling with like, oh my God, this is so gross. This is so bad. Like, why would someone live like this? My life, I'm so glad I live in my world, right? I mean, there's a clear difference between those two and you can tell immediately from how they talk to people, how they walk, how they look, I mean, how they, everything. And so the first question is cultural sensitivity. In your tour guide experiences and everything, what have you noticed to be the biggest difference between those who you would consider to be culturally sensitive versus those who aren't? I think the, the first thing would be uh, people who have stereotypes or any preconceived ideas about a place and people. So if they come um, in, a, in a post of people who come and make their own observations of what they who they meet and what they see and what they feel in that place, instead of, you know, uh, coming and thinking that, you know, I've seen this, I've heard that, these people are like this, those people are like that. 
um, those kind of yeah preconceived ideas and no generalization. So we we had a guest from Kenya recently, and I was I was so like it was just amazing to to be spend time with him out in the city and places that I you know I I, I go to every day. But there was so much more special when I was going with him because he was so like I said open minded, non judgmental not critical at all. I think that's so important and respectful. So it might not be your culture. You might not eat those things or in that way or live like that or wear those kind of clothes. Um, but the most important thing is to instead of thinking, oh, how weird, like you just think, oh, how different mm. and what can I learn from this culture? Mm. You know, there's something positive in every culture. So I think it's what you see so those people who are not culturally sensitive, they'll come and they'll see these, you know, people in India, in Mumbai live in small homes. The first thing they'll see is a small home and they'll think, oh, but, you know, how do five people fit in here? How are they comfortable? You know, like they're, they're, they're comparing their life with with the people who they see. And I think that's it's not about comparisons. You're not traveling to make comparisons. You're traveling to make observations and um, yeah, and, and somebody who's who's culturally sensitive will not see the small home. They'll just say, oh, wow, you know, like um, they're making, uh, they're preparing fresh food here, fresh vegetables, and they're cooking, you know, every day. And that's the amazing thing about this country, like, you know, not to see the negatives um, first. Yeah. And what can we learn from this? There's something to learn from everyone. So uh, something we have to learn from these people who live in these houses, they're so hospitable, like you said. It's what you were connect talking about earlier, where it's this, even with talking to people, right? When, when you have that open mind of what can I learn from this person, all of a sudden, all those other stereotypes and preconceived notions go out the window because now they're an open book. Anything can happen from this conversation. So strangers start to become a tool of wisdom, no longer just like a, like, oh my God, I'm so afraid of them. They have a lot of utility to offer you, even if you're looking at it from that perspective. And that's, I think that's so similar. Yeah, I think, I think what you're saying is so profound that most people I see who travel do not travel like that. Like it may seem like, yeah, it's common sense, but most people I know do not travel at all like that. It's, you know, and, and I was shocked in India, the number of people who would pick up a child and take a picture with them. And it would happen in both directions, right? I mean, I saw also at the same time, many Indians go up to uh, white tourists who and would be like, can we get a picture? Can we? And, you know, it'd be so overwhelming that it, it was quite unreasonable from both directions, right? Where, where you weren't really seeing the other person for being a human, I think sometimes. They were kind of just like this alien to be used for your own good in some way or another. It wasn't like a real person. And I think the amount that that happens, especially through tourism in the name of tourism is really sad. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you about them, but I think there's, there's a little difference there. Um, you know, like I, I wanted to mention this actually don't like about people, not just taking pictures of people, but taking pictures with people. And that's something like so different because you make a person feel so different when you're you're behind the camera and taking just a picture of them, in opposed to like taking it with them. And I think that's the thing when you when uh, foreigners come to India, 
the Indians want to take pictures with them most of the time. You know, they ask us get a picture together and they'll show their family back home. And uh, I, I do get upset when people, travelers take pictures of people here. And I always say like, you know, you go, you go along, make them feel included that you're with them, you know, mm. you're just taking this observation, like, you know, because the first photographs that were ever, like some of the first photographs that were ever taken were, um, that's how actually travel started in some ways that um, they would take pictures of others, you know, they were called others and they would compare the size of the head and the um, size of the body and how tall and everything was in measurements and, you know, kind of ethnographic photos of people to mm. show how other they are in another country. And I think that's so different when you take a picture with someone that we are, we're not so different at all, actually. Mm. Wow, that's a, a, a very particular difference that I, I would not have identified. That's really cool that you've been able to. So what are some other things like that? What are some other things that people may do thinking that it's totally fine, but you've, in your experience, taken to be, wow, that was quite insensitive? Insensitive? Um, insensitive. Let me think. Um, I think sometimes uh, being uh, physically close to someone, they might. Uh, uh, so in India, because there's especially in Mumbai, there's there's not much space for everyone. So we are we're very close to each other, even uh, like on a bus or you know on a train. Uh, and also in some ways, it's. Um, some people, so so I think some travelers are not comfortable with that, and you have and let let's say um actually there was somebody and who uh, there was a lady in her sixties and she was carrying a uh, I took her shopping and she was carrying lots of bags and then I just like as in our culture we would obviously uh you know like in I think in most cultures really you would go up to them and ask them like you know can I help you with your bags. And she said something I just couldn't believe. She was like, why, do you want to look like you've been shopping as well? And I was like, like I don't think in, I don't think it's about culture as well. I think it's just also people sometimes are not culturally insensitive, they're just insensitive. <laughs> so whether I was Japanese and she was in Japan or, you know, whether I was in uh, France and I was French. <laughs> I think that's 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 such an important thing that there are just people, you know, and some people are sensitive and culturally sensitive, and then there are just people who are insensitive and mm. totally insensitive to anything. Mm. They both go pretty hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a big part of the reason I spent a long part of my life having to deal with my own cultural insensitivity because a lot of how my family lives is so different than what I've been taught is right in the US, for example. And so it has taken a lot of taking off my shoes and stepping in the shoes of my family to be like, whoa, you, I understand now why you think the way you think, as opposed to being like, oh, but from my worldview and my lens, what you think is ridiculous to actually step into their shoes and be like, okay, in the context that you're in, why you think what you think makes complete sense. And therefore, it's actually no more ridiculous than what I think, because everything that I think about the world is only because I'm looking at it in one particular way to be like, I think the nuclear family is good or I think whatever, you know, whatever the, the list of things that I've, 
I've thought are, are great ways to lead your life or, you know, eating with the spoon is better than eating with your hands. Like once I've ate with my hands for long enough and understood the, the personal connection I feel with my food, all of a sudden, then I'm like, okay, I actually understand this as well. But I also understand the value of eating with a spoon. So it's just that I think what you said earlier is so profound of just, I've difference does not, you don't have to view difference as what's better. You can just be like, that's different. What can I learn from it? Right. And that I think is the most profound statement someone can tell themselves when they travel. Instead of being like, what's better? What's worse? How is my life so much greater or worse? Just simply just be like, what can I learn from difference? Absolutely. Absolutely. Nothing. Is there something you try to do to maybe remind people about that as you travel with them? If perhaps they're being, you know, is, are there things that you try to, or perhaps do for yourself? Um, I think one thing that really works is humor. So I try to just lighten up, you know, lighten it up, lighten up the conversation. And then, like you said, like try to change their perspective on something. And even my own perspective. Um, so, of course, we're all human and we make opinions. And um, But I think uh, not having anything solid in stone. So, you know, everything is fluid and uh, everyone's beliefs are different and um, but there's one thing that's the same is that we're all different, like you said. So mm. um, that we're all that that's the similarity that we all have different ways of eating and we all do, eat different things and we all enjoy. You know, it's from person to person. All our tastes are different. We might be in the same family, but we have different, um, you know, styles or different ways of uh, living. And that's okay because actually that that means we're actually all the same mm. um, and it's really weird but you meet people from like the a diff, I, I, I know like some other country and like I've met people and I'm like oh my gosh like it's so strange but we're so similar in so mm. many ways and you have been you brought you've been brought up in a totally different place it's a totally different you know culture and everything and yet we can be so so similar so um, there are people all over who are different and there are people all over the world who you could be like, I feel like I've known you forever and we're so, you know, so much the same. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we're talking to each other, you know, thousands of miles away from <laughs> yeah. each other. And and it is, it is quite, I mean, it's interesting because I feel like the basic needs are all the same. I mean, everyone wants to feel connected. Everyone wants to feel fed. Everyone wants to reproduce. I mean, everyone feel, These things are so common everywhere. It's just how we go about it can sometimes differ from each other. But in yeah. principle, the, the base is the exact same, which is why I feel like if you can connect with people on that level, which is what you actually said in the very beginning, where it's like, learn about why they're traveling. And I think if you can get to that level, why do people, like what is the narrative people are telling themselves to do what they do? Once you can get to that level, you can see the same humanity in everyone. And and I think it's very connected to what you were saying earlier. Like once you can get that story, what is the story that that person is telling themselves as they travel? Then you can understand them as a person. And in that I think everyone has a narrative running in their head, who they are, what is their relationship to those around them. You know, I mean, everyone has this really beautiful concocted narrative that they're following. And I think trying to understand that 
can connect you with anybody in, on the on the planet. There's no difference between you and another person. Absolutely. I think, yeah, only those people who are, you know, I think the only thing we shouldn't be is fanatically anything and not be able to uh, to feel that way with someone else. So we have had, um, I've had this one guest who stayed with us who was uh, very, let's say he was a fanatic religion. A religious person i won't mention which religion but um it just felt like he yeah like everything was an argument and he there was nothing more to him like so he couldn't see past that and i felt like you know you're the one losing out because um there's so much here that we can talk about which we can you know we're eating we're both eating with our hands we're both we'll both eat the same thing that we you know like um, we're both eating dal and chawal, uh, dal and rice, and <laughs> you know this. So, and you're looking out the window and you're enjoying that view, and so am I looking out the same window and enjoying. But you're looking at this one thing that we cannot agree on, and you're being like totally, you know, hard-headed about it and close-minded. And yeah, I was like, how oh, sad, because then you're just not enjoying all the things that we have in common is focusing on that one difference mm. you know 100 percent. yeah and blowing that like if you focus on that difference then it's like mm. then you can get lost yeah. in it you can get lost in how different yeah. you you these small differences yeah so i have a question for you i have a, this is more of a drama question but if you had to okay. say the country where you feel like people are the most sensitive Versus a country where people are least sensitive, what would you say? Like most really? Yeah. <laughs> most sensitive. Okay, I would say Japanese people are very um, respectful, no mm. matter what. At least that's the experience that I've had. And yet, the culture to Indians is so different to Indian culture. Mm. Um, you know, How so? Like. Like, I mean, they're not like, uh, they're not immediately loud. Like, Indians are so immediately loud, like, yeah. ah, you know, like, yeah. even on the greeting, you are immediately greeted with noise, you know. And then Japanese are the opposite. <laughs> so it's quiet. And, mm. it's, um, and the whole, yeah, I think, okay, yes, we both kind of sit on, we sit down on the ground to have tea. They have a lot of tea as well. But, they're just, yeah, I, I think I really admire Japanese people for that. That well, the, the Japanese people who I've met, never ever have I ever felt that they have, um, even though we're so different, are they ever kind of uh, looking at us in any critical way, mm. positive or negative. And the opposite of them, unfortunately, I would have to say, <laughs> I've had with the Dutch people, mm. but maybe that's maybe that's just because I work a lot with Dutch people, so I work mostly with actually a Dutch um, Dutch travelers. So maybe I've had more more of them to be more judgmental of them, but um, they can be very very uh, insensitive and ask awkward questions. And when I Asked them when I spoke to somebody about it, they said, Oh, no, but we're very direct. We're the opposite of Japanese. Yeah, but I said, That's not direct, that's just rude. Like, you mm. know, asking really, really personal questions. 
like if you're like so let's say we in india you know, like we're so friendly so we are talking with somebody and smiling and making a joke um it's a guy who works in a flower market and i go there all the time because i'm taking tours there all the time and i see him and you know he'll and we're having a joke and then they'll say that's your boyfriend and i'm like yeah so that's for me that's really strange um so i are you interested in the flower market uh to know you know or are you interested in uh yeah what's what i'm doing with my personal life yeah no i mean i think it's so cool to hear you share these stories cuz i'm like it's a very unique way of learning about the world they all come to you it's like you know it's not like you, you know you have you, i don't know have you been to japan uh i've been there a long long time oh cool oh nice yeah. very cool so yeah. you've also yeah. been to many places as well that's so cool yeah yeah you're quite a worldly person it's uh, refreshing i i don't hear many people with such a large understanding of what the world is like it's hard i definitely don't have it i don't have any idea what japan is like or what japanese people are like and and i think traveling through india was the first time where i got 1% of a better understanding of what that country is like and i'm indian you know and and so it's like man i mean i i would i'm really excited that was like my stepping stone and now i'm excited to dive into a culture that i know nothing about and to see you know how challenging and hard it can be there and i mean so you want to travel to to you're planning to travel to new places yeah i mean definitely i keep on i keep i i definitely want to keep traveling and working with education and and understanding from a larger and larger perspective because that's the only way you can build i think a more kind of nuanced take of the world i think so long as you're only presented the lens that your country offers you you will always be limited is you can't i don't know how what type of thoughts you can come up with like i mean you're just so limited you're going to just regurgitate what you've already seen and but if you're able to experience 10 different cultures not many other people have done that in the history of the world i mean traveling is easiest now right i mean traveling through india even in remote places was easy for me it was it, it, that would have been virtually impossible a few decades ago you know i mean now with uber and the phone and you can map yourself everywhere and you can call people i mean you could not have done that 30 40 50 years ago it would have been way harder to travel so the benefit of living now i think is you can be an idea maker and 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 an intellectual simply just from traveling a lot you don't need to be a genius you just have to see more of the world than other people and then you'll have ideas just from that and that's enough for you to build a career build all of these things just because you have perspective that most people don't it's i think a really easy hack to being a very useful person on this planet like just travel for a bit and like really and and with travel sensitively like actually learn yes, yes. don't just judge don't just go to places and say this place sucks that place sucks i don't like that but learn from each different place then i think traveling is is i think by far one of the most powerful useful things you can do enriching yeah but yeah thank yeah, you so much i definitely much. agree with you yeah, yeah. And, and like you said uh, just one more thing i think um traveling it's not you shouldn't just see it for you you should see it for all those people you're actually doing something for all those people who you're meeting in that country mm-hmm. who maybe cannot travel you know and they're traveling just by meeting you 
meeting mm. all the other yeah and that's what we do because when we are we are not traveling we are, we are at home we're meeting all these people coming into our home it's really like another form of traveling wow yeah i i've never thought about it from that on that side of it either yeah But... i'm traveling all the time <laughs> from japan to Who's been the latest the who who comes most often to your place from where? Um I think Europeans. I think mm. British people. I think there are a lot of British people who come. Mm. Because they love butter chicken. So <laughs> It's their national dish. I just learned about that. They oh, have, is it? I thought they have, is the national. No, they dish. have two national dishes and one of them is butter chicken. Oh. Okay. Which is so fun. I had no idea. but yeah so well i'm really excited yeah the chicken i'm definitely no i'm really excited i mean i feel like even this conversations it rekindled the sense of fascination for the world that i feel like I, it's non-existent like in the environments and communities that i'm in a, a love for the world is non-existent i just see traveling as a means of like i want to post pictures that i'm wealthy and rich and i was able to go to other places on vacation oh. for one week but this idea of traveling to immerse yourself fully in a culture and lose yourself in it is almost non-existent and so i've lost you know even though i was there for so long after coming back i lost it and i feel like talking to you has inspired that again with me i'm like ah the world is amazing there's so much to see and so many people to meet yeah that's so true thanks both i'm actually you reminded me speaking to you as well as reminded me of how especially then so nice to yeah, just see you again and that, that that's great because it's it's in, well, like we say in um, the airbnb tagline it's one less stranger mm. it's one more friend it's one less stranger i know so much about you now that's that's interesting yeah it is it's such a it's such a small but beautiful thing that you can like create these connections meaningful connections with people from all over the world like even if you were never to talk to someone again the fact that it existed at some point and that there was that that meaning and ah it just it makes everything beautiful it makes all of life just seem like it it's worth it yes so let's talk more often then yeah <laughs> yeah no definitely <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I want to say thank you so much for sharing everything. I think you have such a refreshing perspective on the world and I'm really glad you were you shared it with us. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. I think you do too. That's why you're doing this podcast. So that's amazing. Yeah. And for all of you listening, thank you so much for your time and patience. And that brings us to the end of our conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you again for listening and making this process so much more enjoyable. If you haven't had the chance to already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts to get the latest updates on new episodes. If you've been learning useful information here, feel free to leave a review as well. A little bit goes a long way in spreading this podcast. And have a wonderful day, and as per usual, stay re-educated.